This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County, and good morning, Greg Tucker. You you've been traveling lately. Yeah, we've been we've been off a bit. Uh, and, and while we were gone, I I lost a friend, uh, 93 year old Chuck Carter, and uh, Chuck's not a native here, but has been here the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting the way I got acquainted with Chuck. I was doing a presentation on local history, and I see this fellow, obviously an older fellow, sitting in the front row, very attentive, nodding and reacting to, to the discussion. Mm-hmm. I thought, he looks familiar. And I figured out after the, after the presentation that the reason he looked familiar is that he had attended most everything I had spoken to over the last couple of months. You know, just was like he was following me. Yeah. And uh, sitting in the audience up front each time. So we got acquainted. And delightful, delightful fella. He was uh, uh, a history buff and was learning as much as he could about his new new uh, hometown. Uh, he was a fan of Western music, your style music. Yeah. Uh, was big on uh, outdoors activity. Had done a lot of hiking and camping, and and uh, also was fond of old cars. Had done a lot of backyard shade tree kind of work on the old cars. And uh, uh, I met his wife. She also was quite charming. It reminded me in pictures of her when she was younger of Lauren Bacall. Oh my! Actually had kind of that look and a little bit of that of that manner, but. Uh, uh, he died about three or four days ago, and I just wanted to say something to the family uh, that uh, he was a fascinating old fella, and I uh, hate to lose him, but that's what happens when you're in your 90s. Yeah, but they're so special, aren't they? They are. That's our link to the past frequently. Yeah. I, I love being around people like that. Of course, they remind me of my granddaddy, Papa Jones, because... He could tell. He could. You could sit there and just listen to him spin off all those stories, and nothing like it. I'd, I'd, I'd a hundred times rather be listening to him than watching television. Well, you mentioned that we'd been traveling a little bit. We we toured parts of Kentucky we hadn't never seen before. But the reason, or the uh, close friend, who I had never met face to face. Mm-hmm. but had been corresponding with for, oh, I guess the last 15, 20 years, uh, a true native son of the area, uh, Sam Woods, Jr., and I'm sure there's some 
among our listeners, people who will remember. He was the leading large animal veterinarian from about 1948 until he retired in the 1980s. And before him, his father had been in the same role mm-hmm. uh, since the 1920s. And uh, you go even further back, uh, you find uh, another one of his uh, ancestors who was a physician in the area. And uh, looking at the genealogy, one of the Woods boys was a Texas Ranger for a while, a fascinating family. Uh, but uh, Sam is 100 years old this year. He's born in 1921. That's amazing. And uh, I could mention something, and it would trigger. I spent about four or five hours just sitting across from him talking in Maysville, Kentucky, which he has relocated to a few years ago because his daughter had moved into that area. That Her husband's from that area. So he's uh, well taken care of, uh, well attended by his daughter, Kim, who incidentally went through school here. Mm-hmm. Graduate, I think, in 1966, she said, from Central High School. Uh, but I, I, early on, when I began writing a column back in about 2008, I guess, I started getting emails from Sam Woods, who uh, remembered my father, uh, and he started commenting on almost every article I wrote about the local area. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I heard that he had turned 100, and uh, we had some open time, I thought it would be worthwhile to visit with him. Uh, But the specific thing, he reads the newsletter of the Rutherford County Historic Society called Fro Tips Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, looks forward to receiving it. And in the last issue, I ran a picture of a device and uh, we had it at Mystery Device. Who can tell us what this is? What's the purpose of it? And a couple of days after the letters went out, I got an email through his daughter. And she says, my daddy Sam knows that that's a hay hook and remembers using it back when he was uh, or being involved using it. Yeah. And it's the device that dropped out of the bonnet of the barn into the loose hay piled up on the wagon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back before we had hay balers, mechanical hay balers, the hay was mowed and then uh, raked, mm-hmm. and then a crew of usually young fellas, uh, farmhands, walked alongside the wagon pulled by the mules with forks and forked the hay up into the wagon so you just had a pile of loose hay. And you'd pull up under, you'd pull the wagon, and this is what Sam explained to me, you'd pull the wagon up under the bonnet of the barn and this hay hook would be dropped down Usually one of the boys had to jump up on the wagon and work it down tight through the hay. And then when it was pulled back, it had barbs that flipped out, or flipped in to the inside. Mm-hmm. So it would grab a big uh, portion of hay, loose hay, take it up, and that's how you got it into the barn. And Sam remembered working those uh, hay, uh, doing the hay work and said quickly, it's the hardest work I did in my whole life. And here's a military veteran, yeah. a veterinarian, uh, and uh, remembered that uh, the best job was tending the mule. 
because lifting that big wad of hay took more than one man or two men could pull up into the barn. Mm -hmm. So on the back side of the barn, you'd have a mule hitched up to the line that would pull the, uh, the hay lift. And uh, when you got a signal from up front, you'd walk that mule out, pull it up, pull it in, release it, and then you'd back the mule up. And then you got to stand there and lean on the mule a while while they got it hooked in again. And uh, he remembered doing it, and I said, well, where was this farm? And he said, well, it was my uncle's place. He had a large uh, farm, uh, and he described where the farm was. The farm was just southeast of Murfreesboro, and the property today is the Chelsea Apartments, Mercury Square. Oh, Mercury my. Boulevard, the old Kroger, uh, and the Fred's shopping center areas today, and on into the subdivisions around there, was the Woods Farm, mm -hmm. and he said it goes back, went back several generations, and that his uncle Billy had inherited it from uh, several generations before, but that's where he remembered working. So. Uh, I went all the way to the Ohio River, Maysville, Kentucky, is right on the Ohio River, to talk to a fellow about southeast Murfreesboro. Uh, That's something. But uh, I, uh, I didn't record it. That's not my style. But I took copious notes on whatever he talked about. And uh, I mentioned before, before we started, as a hobby, he made furniture. And he had several pieces there where we were sitting, beautiful wood furniture with the uh, uh, inscriptions and such on it. And uh, he's not able to do that anymore, so he hand makes little trinkets, uh, you might call it. And uh, he had made for my wife and me a couple of items. So first thing he did was present us with a letter holder made out of paper and cardboard for me mm -hmm. and a picture stand made of the same materials for her and uh, we were real pleased with it uh, and we took him a tipsy cake uh, a what a tipsy cake don't tell me it had bourbon in it uh, no it had Tennessee sipping whiskey yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, we picked one up over in Lynchburg before we left uh, left town and took it to him and I asked him I said uh, I said, I know you've been asked this question a hundred times in the last few years, but to what do you attribute your longevity? Mm -hmm. He says, I don't know. I ain't, I ain't done nothing right. Uh, he still enjoys a tumbler yeah. of uh, wine in the evening, and his daughter and my wife left to do some touring while we were talking. And he looks around, makes sure nobody's listening, and says, when I pour it at night, I cheat. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? You got to love it. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah. well, I pour the glass full, and I take a big drink out of it, and then I get settled, and I look at my glass and say, oops, I didn't fill it up. <laughs> he pours it back up to the brim. Uh, interesting fella. I asked him, I said, did you ever get hurt or badly hurt when you were working the big animals? And he smiled at me and held his hand up. And he's missing a thumb on one side. Oh, wow. And told me the story about trying to pull a calf on the cow was down. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't get the cow up. 
And normally you get the cow up and chain her to something, hold her in position, uh, head gate or something. Couldn't get her up. So he went ahead and hooked the chain on the legs that were protruding and wrapped it around his hand and was getting ready to pull. And it was it was stuck. It wasn't moving. Cow got up. Not only did she get up, she took off running. And he said, I'm running along behind her because I couldn't disengage. Mm-hmm. Running along behind her. And uh, she wore me out, and I fell, and she drugged me. And then I saw the thumb, ding, mm. take off, and I was loose. And I said, well, did you try to get it reattached? And he said, well, I went over and picked it up and looked at it and thought, I don't want to bother with this. So I pitched it over in the bushes, wrapped my hand, and finished up with the cow. You know, people like him, It wouldn't it be great to have them be guests in a lot of our schools and and all, all the young people just see is the city part of it they don't really see know the real history of how this uh, community was able to function during that time well he told I asked him you know that after we talked about some specific things I had in my mind just casual questions how'd you meet your wife and uh, he gave credit to Sam Mitchell the old Confederate war veteran who lived on East Main mm-hmm. to his getting together with the woman that he subsequently married. And I said, well, what did Sam do? And he says, well, again, he, uh, Sam Woods confessed early on that he was not much of a, a student, that uh, he got thrown out of Critchlow, literally, <laughs> and his parents had to put him in the training school and, and pay the fee to keep him in school. Uh, he's 16 and he's pretty much dropped out. Uh, and uh, a couple of years later, uh, his mother was concerned that he was not properly Christian, religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had a nice uh, Plymouth. So he told his mother, he says, well, you know, if I can borrow your car uh, on Sunday, I'll go to church. Just, you know, drive the car. Mm-hmm. So his mother thought, you know, if that'll help, we'll give it a try. So one Sunday he goes off on the to go to church in the car, and instead he drives up on East Main, parks on the curb, and goes into Sam Mitchell's porch. Sam, the old Confederate, which was one of the last three or four to survive, we've talked about him before, loved to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And so he'd go up on the porch and spend an hour, hour and a half with Sam listening to stories and then drive back with the car and and uh, whatever. Well, on this particular day, he is on the porch with Sam. It's Sunday morning. And uh, Sam's right in the middle of one of his elaborate Civil War stories. And Sam Woods looks up and coming down from the Christian Church. I'll tell you exactly where it was. Christian Church there on East Main, mm-hmm. the one with the big gold dome. Yeah, uh, is the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his life coming down the steps, and he turns to Mitchell and says, uh, "Mr. Mitchell, excuse me, I've I've got to run do something." And Mitchell stops, looks across the street, <laughs> smiles at him, and says, "Go get her, boy." <laughs> Sam Wood said he jumped up, got that car going, caught up with her about a half block down the street, pulled up to the curb and said, 
would you like a ride home? And she said not a word, but walked around the car and got him beside him. Oh. And uh, six months later, they got married. Wow. He was 19 and she was 17, something like that. And uh, about three years ago, they celebrated their night, their 75th wedding anniversary. Oh, my goodness. And uh, she died not too long after that, but she was 95 when she died. Yeah. And he was, of course, 98 and so on when, when she died. And uh, I said, well, did you get married there at the Christian church? Obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, he takes a deep breath as well. No. We got married in Franklin, Kentucky. Whoa. And I said, Franklin, Kentucky. And he explained that Franklin, Kentucky, back in the 30s, was a quickie marriage operation. Like, Ringo, like the one in Georgia. Like Ringo, <laughs> Georgia. And he got a buddy to drive the two of them up, and they got married. And he said, we were married a year before anybody knew it. Oh, my goodness. He says, I said, well, where'd you live? He says, well, when we came back home from Franklin, she went to her house, and I went to my house. And finally... Did the parents know? About a year later, Sam's mother figured it, that figured out what was going on. Wow. At that point, they got together. And, and uh, he's also a military uh, veteran. But at the age of 16, when he dropped out of school, with the parents' uh, permission, consent, he joined the National Guard. Mm -hmm. And he said to me last week, he says, Now, Greg, I'm not sure I can prove this, but I believe I am the oldest surviving member of the National Guard. Uh, there are people who uh, are older than me who were mm -hmm. in the Guard, but they didn't join at 16. So if you count from the time that I joined, I believe I'm the oldest living member, veteran of the National Guard. He did three years in the National Guard, and that's what got him directed into the uh, veterinarian school. Uh, and he was out of the Guard, but then Pearl Harbor happened, and he mm -hmm. enlisted in the Army and uh, actually took care of mules and horses in the Army through part of the war, mm -hmm. and they sent him back to finish his schooling because he had dropped out down at Auburn. Uh, he finished up, came home, and joined his father in uh, the veterinary practice here in Rutherford County. I said, where were you located? And he described to me, and he said, well, do you know that uh, the, where they make the country hams, the hammery? Mm -hmm. I said, oh, yeah, I know that very well. He said, well, I built that in 1950 for our veterinarian practice. My daddy worked upstairs on the small animals, and I had the large animal operation in the basement. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got to doing a few country hams on the side, and I forget who it was that approached him and said, you know, let's set this up as a business. So he and a partner set up the original hammery, uh, making country hams, curing and selling country hams in Rutherford County. And uh, that business pretty much pushed them out of the basement over there at the, at the building. And I said, well, I know Bob Woods. He's got that business now. And Sam says, yeah, he's my nephew. We sold him the business after <laughs> a few years, and he's done real well with it. I, said, I remember when he started. Yeah, and uh, I said, uh, he's done extremely well because every time I go to a county fair or a state fair, 
the prize ham is from the hammery in Murfreesboro, so he's done quite well with it. You could sit there and write three or four books about him. About him, and there's so many, and uh, anybody who's listening who knows somebody who's 80-plus years old, you need to sit down and talk to them. Yeah. This history disappears. Don't let it get away from you. Yeah, this history disappears, and although much of what I learned from Sam is personal to Sam, it gives you a flavor of what was going on at that time. Uh, Apparently, Franklin, Kentucky was a destination for a number of people because the fellow who drove Sam and his bride-to-be to Franklin Sam had driven him and his bride-to-be about two years before to Franklin. He was returning the favor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it goes on. Did you ever get to have a conversation with her, his wife? No. Oh. Never met her, but I knew of her. Her name was Nellie. He called her Nellie. It's N-E-L-L-E Jameson. And she was a local girl uh-huh. uh, raised in the area. And uh, interesting how they both had such impressive longevity uh, to get up into the mid-90s, or in his case, 100. And uh, his health, he's uh, wheelchair-bound, so he doesn't walk on his own. uh, But he takes care of his... uh, uh, He's in an assisted living, not a nursing home, assisted living. So he takes care of his own meals and pours his own liquor and such as that. Uh, He does have a notice. He has a, what uh, I call a barnacle on his hand and a couple other places that were blue lined, which means they're going to be removed. But other than that, he seemed to be uh, very much uh, in control of his own circumstances. Farm life was the most uh, demanding of all careers. And um, being uh, someone who would come in and take care of the large animals, which it's very uh, hard to find that anymore because uh, it was a a dangerous type of uh, career that he was dealing with at the time. It certainly was. Larry Williams, who does a lot of work for me on the large animals, is one of the few who specializes. Uh, I, he, uh, Sam, of course, was interested in farming now, and I mentioned that uh, I have Charlet cattle, mm-hmm. and he kind of leaned back and breathed out and says, oh, they are the meanest animals. He said, I always dreaded when I had to service a Charlet, the Charlet, or yeah. there wasn't many of them, because he was back in the era when still mostly dairy cattle. Uh, but he didn't like Charlet, <laughs> didn't like to work on them. And he's right, they can be very, uh, very difficult. Well, I kind of think I've always liked the Herefords for whatever reason. They seem to be a little bit more calm than most of the other uh, breeds. Well, when I came back in uh, 88, we looked to our neighbors and we were we were uh, running what they called, we called Baldies, mm-hmm. which is a Hereford Angus cross. Mm-hmm. And uh, you wonder why. Well, because that's what everybody was doing out in Donald's Chapel in that part of the county. But I'd go to the auction, the brokerage up in Woodbury, 
and these white cows were bringing the top of the market every time. So uh, Frank Grimes up the pike was mm-hmm. into Charlet. And I went to him and got a couple of uh, cows and a bull. That was probably 92, 93, and that's just the way we've gone. Uh, but there are days that I think maybe I ought to get off these Charlet. Uh, we put the bull in the uh, head gate a couple of weeks ago, and he started dismantling the metal head gate. Mm. Had to let him out to keep him from just destroying the whole thing. So I said to the boys that were working working it for me, I said, just don't bother the bull. If we get all the cows and the calves treated, we'll believe in herd immunity. <laughs> That the bull's going to be just fine. Don't try to don't try to work him. Your connection with the past is that one of the reasons that you decided to try farming when you came back from uh, Washington and moved back to Rutherford County. We knew trying to raise children the way we wanted to raise them in the Washington D.C. area wasn't possible. Uh, the schools, the neighborhoods, uh, you know, you end up paying a fortune to put them in a private school and Mm -hmm. all of that hassle. But anyway, the reason for the farm is we wanted to raise the children in the farm environment and we could afford it. And uh, I'm not sure long term uh, they appreciate it or not. I think probably they do. Uh, And my son is raising his daughter in the farm environment as well as uh, well she's big on mechanics and uh, does a lot of work with the cars and the other other equipment you can use your God-given gifts on a farm which more there than you can anywhere else and you have those responsibilities and you you, uh, learn how to um, um, use your uh, gifts as far as taking care of things that uh, you probably never would utilize if it wasn't for those experiences. Well, you also are reminded quickly that uh, you can't do everything that you used to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, I'm at the point where I bring in help now, things I used to do. Oh, long. you're still a spring chicken. What are you talking about? Uh, but to being on the farm, you're <laughs> well aware that, yeah, but... Uh, Let's see, we, we, uh, we did some touring, and Kentucky is fascinating, as is Tennessee when you get out and get to know it. But uh, we went to Paris and helped uh, rededicate the Eiffel Tower. That was just, it's amazing sometimes how you stumble into things. Say that again. We went to Paris and helped to dedicate the Eiffel Tower. Where did you do that? In Paris. Paris what? Kentucky. <laughs> I didn't even know they had that there. Yeah, well, we went into Paris, Kentucky, and I needed to make a pit stop. I looked up, and there in a beautiful old building right at the corner was the Chamber of Commerce. So we stopped, and my wife went and talked to the executive director and only employee of the Chamber of Commerce and uh, made arrangements for us to spend the night in, the, uh, in town. Uh, we spent it in the honeymoon penthouse Ooh. of the uh, establishment across the that street. That sounds romantic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And, yeah. Uh, uh, my wife found a uh, 
uh, what would you say, someone from her home area. Mm -hmm. uh, he was Vietnamese, had a beautiful restaurant in a building that was three and a half, four stories tall, biggest, highest building in the neighborhood there. And he had turned the upper part of the building into uh, uh, a hotel mm. with only about four or five rooms. And uh, he put us up, treated us to uh, our, four, our big lunch, big meal uh, while we were there. But the next morning we go out for a walk and uh, this uh, commotion right across the street from us, across from the Chamber of Commerce, and they had some, a forklift and some stuff. We looked at it and they're putting together a scale replica of the Eiffel Tower. Oh, wow. Right on the corner across from the uh, Chamber of Commerce. And in the course of the morning, we met and had our picture made with the mayor, mm -hmm. the director of tourism. We made pictures of some of them. And uh, the group acknowledged that we were the first tourists to uh, be pictured in front of the uh, Eiffel Tower. Oh, so, wow. So Parrish, Kentucky has its own Eiffel Tower. We saw over on the farmer's market a smaller one, but this one probably was about 30 feet tall. And uh, if you ever have a reason to go through Paris, watch for the Eiffel Tower. Well, does Paris, Tennessee do that, or is, is it just solely the one in Kentucky? Kentucky seems to be able to re reach out and do some remarkable things, just like uh, the, did, did you and Mitriette get to go to the Ark? No, we were in eastern Kentucky. It's oh. more over on the western side. I did buy you a souvenir or something special. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, I got you a Kentucky long rifle. And, wow. Well, let me pass it to you now. Now, be careful. They're kind of heavy. I wouldn't want it to... <laughs> I wouldn't want it to... Uh, oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Wait a minute. I can write with this rifle. Well, you don't think I'm going to give you something you get hurt on. <laughs> it uh, supposedly is a scale replica. Of it is. A Kentucky long rifle with a ballpoint pen sticking out of the end of it, but... Uh, Let's see. It's got a serial number if you want he to does. confirm. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to fill out the paperwork and register it, though, as a deadly weapon. You're kidding. <laughs> well, it's not the only deadly weapon I have in the house. <laughs> I said Thank deadly, you very much. Dead. I appreciate that. That when we picked that up, I picked that up in Perryville, I believe. Uh, or... Uh, Perryville is interesting. That, of course, is uh, the battlefield, Battle of Perryville, mm -hmm. which is where Braxton Bragg demonstrated that he was pretty much a lousy general, not much of a military strategist. Uh, and uh, he came down, let's see, his next major battle, I think, was Stones River. Yeah, he messed up here. The story there is very similar. In Perryville, yeah. at the end of the day, first day, second day of the battle, uh, the Confederates had the upper hand. Should have won. They had, they had pushed back the... Uh, but Bragg, uh, give him a little benefit of the doubt, was concerned that uh, there were reinforcements coming. But anyway, despite the fact that he had the advantage and probably could have had a victory the next morning, he retreated, pulled back, headed back to Tennessee. 
And uh, of course, the Stones River, a very similar circumstance. Uh, and he elected instead to retreat and fall back. So, and I think most uh, historians of the Western theater in the Civil War uh, give him credit for being one of the best generals the Union Army had. Uh, Did what? <laughs> Uh, well, it's it, well. I'm I'm amazed that they haven't built a statue of him around here, since he since he was the biggest loser. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Greg Tucker. Adams Place Retirement Community is a part of National Healthcare Corporation. In 1971, the founder, Dr. Carl Adams, had a vision to provide higher quality health care for seniors. His dream was to create a campus concept that offered in-house services for residents as they age with different needs. Call 615-904-7100 and schedule a tour. Are you looking for a different kind of bank? Open your eyes to a credit union. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help hardworking Americans achieve their financial goals faster. And because we're owned by our members, you get a piece of the pie. Visit our website, heritagesouth.org, to open your first account and see how we help when others won't. Insured by NCUA. MTSU Arts, together with Ascend Federal Credit Union, invites you to enjoy the School of Music concerts from the comfort of your living room. The concerts will be live-streamed on the School of Music's YouTube channel, and select concerts will be aired on MTSU's new True Blue TV. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for a full list of upcoming concerts. Hi, this is John at LNK Trophy. We'd like you to come down and take a look at our new line of insulated tumblers. We have colored tumblers that we can engrave. They work great for gifts. We have several different sizes and styles of mugs. They can be engraved or they can be printed in full color. We also offer lots of other options for plaques. This is John at LNK Trophy, 1115 Memorial Boulevard, just down from Smith Brothers Car Wash. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. One person in the hospital following a shooting Sunday night at an apartment complex in Antioch. Officers responding to a call of gunfire around 10.30 in the parking lot of the Preakness Complex off Bell Road found one man shot. He was taken to Vanderbilt University Medical Center in unknown condition, and a suspect was detained at the scene. Police say they're currently investigating the suspect's claim of self-defense. The Center for the Arts Executive Director Patience Long says that the center's coming back after last year's COVID cancellation. And she says this season you will see many of the same shows they promised to offer during 2020. But a few shows had to be replaced. Mamma Mia has been replaced with Sister Act. Man of La Mancha has been replaced with the SpongeBob musical. Dogfight has been replaced with Avenue Q. And The Great Gatsby has been replaced with Hamlet. More details on WGNSRadio.com. A farmer was hauling a livestock trailer on the Shelbyville Highway at Midland Fosterville Road Friday when it was T-boned. Rutherford County Sheriff's Officer Patrol Sergeant Kyle Frazier arrived at the scene to discover a nervous Aberdeen Angus bull trapped in an overturned trailer. 
Extrication tools were used to remove the rear doors from the trailer. Then the nervous but unharmed bull was safely transferred to another livestock trailer. The owners of the bull were a couple from Missouri who were transporting the animal for a sale. And if you're flying out of town, arrive early at the Nashville International Airport. BNA reported extremely high volume over the weekend. Airport officials say passengers should arrive at least two hours early during the summer travel season. And they said arriving early is especially important if your travel involves Sunday. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Hi, this is Lisa Halliburton with Bell Jewelers. We can't forget the special dads in our lives. June 20th is Father's Day. At Bell Jewelers, we have watches that can be engraved for dad, tie tacks, men's bracelets, really nice selection of men's jewelry, pocket knives, clocks. June 20th is Father's Day. At Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad Street, across from Toots Restaurant. It's about that time again for the 54th Annual Murfreesboro Antique Show and Sale coming up July 16th through the 18th. $7 gets you in all weekend as you shop unique rugs, jewelry, custom furniture, fine linens, and much, much more. Parking is free and food and beverages are available for purchase inside the venue. Catch all the action this year at the Middle Tennessee Expo Center on 1660 Middle Tennessee Boulevard in Murfreesboro. Your next great find is waiting for you at the 54th Annual Murfreesboro Antique Show and Sale July 16th through the 18th. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here for this afternoon with partial sunshine developing high in the mid-90s. Winds out of the south around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 76. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Greg Tucker. And off the air, we were talking more about Paris, Kentucky. That sounds like a place I'm going to have to go and visit because, uh, of course, I won't have uh, uh, someone like you did with Mentriette that has the big draw, but uh, it, it, it sounds like a place that uh, they welcome visitors there and, and they have so much to offer. And they're working hard at it. Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't see any evidence of any particular industry other than the, the horses everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and some evidence that, like the railroad station there, is converted into a restaurant, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, very strong civic interest in uh, attracting tourism and uh, preserving the town. Uh, very, very uh, interesting. And uh, Maysville, on up on the Ohio River, uh, beyond Paris, 
Uh, it's also very interesting. And uh, we went to the local museum, mm-hmm. museum, local history museum. And I'm going to talk to our mayor about maybe putting together a delegation and uh, renting a van and driving up there uh, because it was extremely well done and very interesting and all focused on the the local history. Yeah. Uh, and it had preserved, as we're doing here, uh, one of the historic buildings in the area. And uh, at one time, uh, Maysville was a thriving river port, and uh, they also are looking for ways to to keep the town vibrant. And uh, they uh, got a little ways to go yet. There's not a lot of nightlife in Maysville. Yeah. Uh, but there are some good accommodations, and particularly if you're interested in uh, architectural history, which, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we are very much. Uh, it's fascinating to walk through a town like that. The original name of it was Limestone, the Port of Limestone. And we learned that uh, the, tra- the immigration from the colonies into Kentucky happened through two routes. The Cumberland Gap, and Daniel Boone's credited with discovering and, and opening that up. And this uh, limestone, Port of Limestone, Mm-hmm. And the people coming into the port were coming down the river on flat boats, and that was the apparently the more attractive place to put in and and transfer to uh, land transportation. And so it uh, very very uh, active commercial center during the 19th century. One thing that they uh, use as their claim to fame is they are the home of Rosemary Clooney. Oh, wow. And we're walking down a street uh, looking at buildings in the evening, and we hear Rosemary Clooney and Satchmo <laughs> playing and singing, and they play it on the speaker in this one block. And uh, in uh, the uh, theater there, which has been uh, restored, beautiful old theater, uh, Rosemary Clooney came back to town when her first movie uh, premiered, and they did the premiere there in Maysville, Kentucky. Oh, my goodness. So a lot of history centered around Rosemary. And, uh, we did listened. she sing White Christmas over the air? Uh, they probably do seasonally. They weren't playing it uh, yeah. while we were there. And our breakfast one morning was in a little uh, coffee house, I guess you'd call it, which played constantly. And uh, it, she did a lot of jazz numbers. And apparently did at least one long session with Louis Armstrong, and they were playing that. So, again, an interesting discovery, a place we never would have imagined, uh, the history and the activity there. Do they have someone like you, a a historian, that they can reach out with everything that pretty much has gone on within that community? It was apparent without talking to anyone directly about there, but it was apparent that there was a strong uh, equivalent of a historical society. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could just tell in the way the museum was put together. And also, there obviously were some people, uh, philanthropic interests. And uh, uh, Sam Wood's daughter, I think, was part of that group. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it takes efforts from all all levels to 
maintain and develop something like that. The strength of a community is always its history and the, and the people who made that community what it is. And I don't, you have done a, uh, a great job. I hate to give you, uh, I, I hate to I build you, you up. Too I far. know you hate it. It just, it just drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I have so much respect on really on what you've done with, for this community and uh, you know the community could really reach out a whole lot more than what it has you know with the thing that's going on with the Sam Davis home and all the other things that are involved the history of here is uh, could be supported a whole lot more and I know you've you've uh, uh, reached out to so many different groups. Well, I'm encouraged now by the level of interest in our local history and the mm -hmm. efforts that are being made by a number of groups around the community. But to be self-critical, uh, we haven't always been that way. You know, we haven't. And we lost uh, back in the 60s uh, buildings and, and different things that evidence our history. Uh, we're just now putting together a, thanks to Mayor Ketron, a local history museum. Uh, we're now concerned about protecting what we do still have. And you and I have talked a number of times about uh, things we lost that uh, it just didn't make, doesn't make any sense when we look back while yeah. we didn't, uh, what do you call it, repurpose something rather than just letting it go. But we've still got quite a bit. Uh, evidence of our history mm -hmm. and uh, along with that a strong uh, interest in our history which may be because the community is changing very rapidly and we begin to sense what what's lose what we're losing and such uh, but these few little places we visited in Kentucky they got ahead of us yeah you know because they've preserved a lot more uh, I mean there the square in a town is well preserved, but then every four directions out for several blocks, you know, still has has a lot of history, uh, not just plaques, yeah, but actual uh, things that have been preserved. It's almost like a, some of it has been ignored, and the things that really mean so much to us now, a, a lot of that could have been taught in our in our grade schools and high schools and things like that, and. Um, a lot of times the, the things that have more value to us than anything else should be our history and uh, it, it seems to be lost except for what our grandparents would relate back to us great grandparents and, and, and our family members it, 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 a lot of that should have been put on paper and unfortunately and, and it should be in, taught in our schools because each state is so different in, in, in what it has given back to this country. And Tennessee has given back. It, it's an unbelievable amount of... Uh, um, it, we've given special people that have gone out and done special things throughout the, the history of our country. And I don't think there's any other state that's given back more than what we have. Oh, I think that's very true. Uh, Tennessee was the middle of the country, both uh, physically and uh, socially and development-wise back yeah. in the 19th century. And, of course, the country continued to grow west. But for a while there, we really were the, the, the locus 
of the growth and development in the United States. And isn't it amazing that things did shift and went west? And of course, there's a big movie that's made about it and how great it was to to make this country greater. But now people are moving back east, and a lot of people are moving into Tennessee because of the rich heritage and the strength of this this area that that seems to be lost in so many other different states in this country. Well, I've said many times that you know we welcome these people, yeah, because uh, we believe that they see what we have and they want to share it. But I also always caution them. I say, don't come in here and try to change us. Yeah, you know, we like what we are. We like what we do. And if you want to join and share, come on. But if you're coming down here to try to change and bring your ways or whatever it is, you know, we're not in for that. I think a lot of a light has gone <laughs> up in their head. And, oh, there are other places to go to in this country. And it's like it used to be 50, 60, 70 years ago because people still have that strength and the things that they believe in they believe in our country and that's amazing and and we still have the strength of of, of the bible this is bible country right here in, in in this area and we have beliefs in in the things that really mean a lot it's not just money and all that other stuff that uh, we have to to depend upon these days it's the people, and the people are the ones that really make the difference. The people in what uh, we used to refer to as small-town values. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure it's just small-town, but you do see it when you travel through Tennessee, Kentucky. There's, mm -hmm. uh, there's a feeling of security in these smaller towns, uh, which are... Growing, yes, not like us, but yeah. uh, growing much more slowly and have time to, to assess which way they're going and whether that's long-term what they want to do. Those were pretty tough areas to move into when you're talking about Kentucky and Tennessee. Oh, they're yeah. very, very similar. There was, and, and the people had yeah. to be pretty yeah. tough themselves yeah, to be the able to 18th transform century, those areas. 1700s when a lot of the movement started yeah there still was conflict with the uh, native population and uh, very interesting some of it we learned about the efforts to work together the Cherokee probably were smart enough to see an, an inevitable and were trying to accommodate and, and work the Iroquois said no way and resisted, and uh, uh, interesting that the Iroquois nation merged with about five other of the native groups mm -hmm. and were a formidable uh, power in the area that became Middle Tennessee, Northern Tennessee, and Kentucky uh, as late as the 1750s, 60s, mm -hmm. you know, just before the revolution. Isn't it funny that the Cherokees were able to adapt where other large nations, uh, Indian nations, still haven't been able to adapt. And, and that's one of the tragedies, I think, of, of this country is is their um, inability to change their culture or any of the other things that they were so dependent upon. 
Oh, let me see. I got the rifle that you have given me uh, comes from Harrodsburg. Ask Greg to talk about the the Beaumont Inn Daughters College, 1919. Well, that was interesting. And this uh, is from yeah, I know who that's your lovely wife, my, my coach. We did. We stopped in Harrodsburg. I decided it was time to stop. Mm -hmm. uh, she went on the line and made a reservation at the Baymont Inn, which mm -hmm. is a, I think it's owned by one of the big chains and it's very common along interstates and such. And we got into Harrodsburg, uh, and it's a bigger town than we were than I was anticipating. So I said, "Well, dial up the address and get some directions." And you know this automated voice starts telling me where to turn and what. And I look, and we're going into a beautiful residential area. I mean, I'd compare it with Belmead in Nashville. Beautiful big homes. Mm. And uh, we're told to turn on to Beaumont uh, Inn Circle, which took us right to this tremendous mansion. And I said, this is Beaumont, not Baymont. And we recognized the, the problem. We made our way back to Baymont, spent mm -hmm. the night at an interesting mom-and-pop type uh, restaurant nearby. The next morning I said, let's go back over to Beaumont. Mm -hmm. Not Baymont, but Beaumont. And we go back, and it is a former women's college named Daughters College. About 50 acres, maybe 40 or 50 mm -hmm. acres, have been preserved in what's now a, a well-developed, affluent neighborhood, and uh, served very much like uh, Soul College here in Murfreesboro many years ago as a finishing school for the daughters of some of the elite, uh, more affluent families in that area in Kentucky. Uh, when the era of those schools uh, began to come to an end, which certainly happened here about the same time, 1910, 1920, they began to disappear. And alumna of that college bought the entire property hmm. and converted it to a resort. And so you have this 19, I think 1912, 1919, 1919 was when it was converted. You have a time capsule of that period. Wow. Uh, plus uh, the surrounding uh, gardens and all. Mm -hmm. And uh, we stopped there and enjoyed their gift shop, but also concluded that next time we have occasion to drive into our neighbor, Kentucky, uh, a couple of days at the Beaumont Inn, formerly the Daughters College. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be a, a, an extraordinary visit, and it has uh, its own restaurant. It's it's full uh, uh, resort complex as they were back in the 20s. Reminded me a little bit of Red Boiling Springs mm. in that area. Yeah. But uh, that was strictly uh, serendipity. We had no idea. We weren't looking for a place like that. We just got crossed up on uh, our our names. Beaumont versus Baymont, and uh, found yet another interesting uh, bit of history. Are Are you in charge of from Kentucky? Have they hired you to do a lot of their uh, uh, 
sponsorship for them. I'm returning some very nice hospitality. <laughs> and uh, next week, I doubt that we'll even mention Kentucky. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I am uh, thoroughly, uh, I, I'm eager to go there, to be perfectly honest, after some of the things that you've related back to me. Well, be careful with that rifle. I don't want you to hurt yourself. I want to be sure you'll be here Monday, next Monday. Will it will it shoot 50 caliber? Maybe a little small for that. I think it shoots musket balls. <laughs> it is a great find. Now, why did you select this for me? Well, because I didn't think you wanted a candle. A candle? Yeah. They sell a lot of scented candles up there. No, I can't handle those. <laughs> <laughs> well... Is there anything else? We've just about run out of time. I think we've run out of time. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I've thoroughly enjoyed it this morning. It's one of the... I, I, I get uh, kind of... Um, um, I, I get lost when, when we go back in history because I wish I wish was still there. Well, uh, I hope uh, Sam Wood's daughter will call up the podcast of this show. And... Uh, Hope Sam has a chance to listen to it. Yeah, do you do you feel like sometimes like you're a, an anachronism? Me? Yes. I'm not even sure what an anachronism. Yeah, is. Yeah, you know what it is, and and I think I I feel like that I am sometimes. Well, you probably are. Yeah, yeah. I should be back in the maybe the late 1800s. I, I would well, I would have loved to have done that. Hold on to your long rifle, and maybe you'll get back there. Yeah. I, I need a I need a little uh, uh, knife on the end of it though. Could could you redo well, that? I'm not sure that the long hunters had knives on the end, but I know in the military the muskets always did. Yeah, I always had a hard time with my little long knife. All right, guys, we will see you in the morning at nine o'clock. From NHC's Adams Place. Home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.